Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Today is Wednesday, July 1st, 2020, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Federal authorities are reviewing whether a civil rights investigation is needed in the 2019 death of Elijah McClain in Colorado. Crews are removing the statue of Stonewall Jackson in Richmond, Virginia. We'll hear from the mayor explaining why he made the decision to remove all Confederate statues from land the city controls. Also, a Black Lives Matter mural authorized by the mayor of Moss Point, Mississippi, has been vandalized, he will join us on Roland Martin Unfiltered. The Senate has approved an extension in the payroll protection plan. We'll tell you what that means and how you can make sure you get your share. Conservatives are at a crossroads to be a part of a party that unites or divides. We'll talk about what modern conservatism means for African Americans. Plus, multiple organizations are behind a Facebook ad boycott. More than 350 companies have joined this effort. Rashad Robinson, president the Call of Change will join us on this effort that they are leading. Plus, more crazy-ass white people, this time one who's tired of looking at Black Lives Matter posters. Oh, he got jacked up by a white bruh. And comedian Dulo joins us for Wild Not Wednesday. It's time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the 
All right, folks. Uh, federal authorities are reviewing whether a civil rights investi investigation is warranted in the 2019 death of Elijah McClain, a 23-year-old black man who died after Aurora, Colorado police put him in a chokehold. Authorities are also examining reports that multiple police officers in the city of Aurora were placed on administrative leave because of allegations that photos showed them near the site where McLean died. In a joint statement, the Colorado U.S. Attorney's Office, the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division, and the Denver FBI Office said they made the unusual disclosures about the investigations because of recent attention to McLean's August 24, 2019 death. Now, three officers involved in the case have been moved to non-enforcement duties. Colorado Governor Jared Polis appointed a special prosecutor last week to investigate after the local district, district attorney declined to file charges against the officers involved in McLean's arrest. Joining me now is Tiffany Lofton, Director, NAACP Youth and College Division. Uh, Robert Patillo, Executive yeah. Director, Rainbow Push Coalition, Peachtree Street Project, Long Victoria Burke, NNPA uh, writer. I'm going to start with you, Robert. We know about this case because they waited a year to release the body cam footage. All of a sudden, we hear these unique details. He's wearing a ski mask. He, he was wearing so because of his health condition. He ends up dead. And the cops did not really want this to get out, but because of Breonna Taylor, Armand Arbery, George Floyd, all of these past cases are cropping up. That's what we're dealing with right here. They thought that the death of McLean was going to go unnoticed. You know, and this is part of the American racial reckoning that we're going through currently. We're seeing Kendrick Johnson in, uh, in South Georgia, his case is being reopened and reexamined. This is the same Aurora, Colorado Police Department that brought in the Aurora shooter uh, who had murdered several people, had a booby-trapped house with, uh, with explosive in it. They brought him in without issue. But somehow a black person, a young black male, and quote-unquote a ski mask warrants a, a death penalty. There's no way to bring that person in, regardless of what they're accused of, without using lethal force. So this goes to the point that we have in black America, which is the lack of belief in the statements of black men and the statements of black families regarding police brutality, unless there's a video, unless there's a, um, you know, a drone that happens to be flying overhead, maybe a satellite is filming you. Other than that, nobody is going to believe what she's saying. This is why we have to make it easier for families and the media and the press to get a hold of police footage, of dash cam footage, of body cam footage before it is able to be edited or lost or destroyed. And also why we have to have legislation for tamper-proof body cameras for police officers so that all of these incidents and all of these interactions can be filmed. What this reminds me of, Tiffany, reminds me of these civil rights cases that are open from the 60s, uh, that took place in the 80s and the 90s. I think the four little girls in Birmingham. Uh, then you also have, of course, uh, Byron Della Beckwith, who killed, uh, who murdered uh, Medgar Evers, NAACP field secretary in Mississippi. And so this renewed focus, and what we have here, again, local DA refuses to prosecute. And now with the attention now, all of a sudden, the governor appoints a special prosecutor because the same way in the case of Maude Arbery, three different DAs, we simply cannot trust these local DAs, most of them who are white, to prosecute cases where cops were involved in killing black folks. So there's two important things for us to point out in this moment. One, it is never too late for justice. That is the first thing. I don't care how long, how far away, it is never too late for justice. 
We need to make sure that the officers, who for some reason have still yet to be named because their identity is being protected, are then brought to trial for a proper process of due process. We see this all the time, Roland, where folks will um, have interactions with police officers and those officers are immune to even going to court and getting indicted and getting charged. And so the, the movement that we see across the country after the death of George Floyd, of course, but also Nina Pop and Tony McDade and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and the hundreds of other names that we could do that we could list on this show right now, those folks want justice. Those families want justice. And it requires not just paid administration leave, it requires an investigation, it requires a charge, and it requires police departments to take seriously what it means when they make mistakes or take people's lives and do not do full investigations. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I want to remind people in this moment, again, because folks say that I keep beating the bush, it is important for us to turn out this year, November 3rd, on for the general elections. And this is exactly why. The reason why we have a 34-year-old Black Republican man in Frankfort, Connecticut, who has not brought those officers who killed Breonna Taylor to charge is because we have a bad DA in office, the general, uh, uh, attorney general in office. The reason why these DAs are not doing what they're supposed to do is because we selected the wrong people. And so November 3rd is our opportunity to make sure that we don't just vote for the White House leadership, but that we vote in the down ballot race to pick people who are going to stand for people in the name of our communities to make sure that this never happens again and that when it does happen, we actually are able to receive justice for the family and the community. Uh, Lauren, there are bureaucrats in the Department of Justice who we can trust, people who are career employees. The problem is that the upper echelon, this Department of Justice has shown absolutely no interest in justice when it comes to these cases. You had former Attorney General Jeff Sessions and the current AG William Barr, backed by Donald Trump, who made it clear that they want to end police consent decrees. They don't want these investigations of cops. And so I have absolutely no confidence that the top uh, officers in the Department of Justice give a damn about this. But I do believe you have career prosecutors who understand why these cases are important and who want to move forward. I just don't trust Barr and Trump. Well, there's no reason to trust Barr and Trump. Uh, obviously, they're not interested in these cases. They spend most of their time trying to pretend that police brutality does not exist and violence uh, perpetrated by police does not exist. So then to acknowledge it through an investigation simply is not going to happen. You know, one of the things that's a little bit scary about this with regard to Elijah McClain and so many other cases is this concept that we actually have to have video to prove anything. Now, the standard is starting to change to if you don't have video that backs up what you're saying, then nothing is going to get investigated, as if you have to have a video camera to prove that. And, of course, that ties into what has already been mentioned with regard to police body cameras, which, of course, if they're turned off, it is not, at this point, considered obstruction of justice in any jurisdiction. So they sort of get away with that. But once we start raising the bar to the point where if you don't have physical evidence, nobody believes you, that's a, to me, a huge problem because that's a, that's a pretty high bar. And most of these things happen without any cameras around and you're just relying on witnesses and that's about it. But with regard to the Justice Department, obviously, until we have a new president of the United States and a new attorney general, we'll be seeing the same thing on the federal level with regard to completely ignoring this issue. Uh, Robert, to that particular point there, uh, again, you have these DAs who, who constantly are establishing a higher barrier, a higher bar in anything involving police officers. And I think, what to, to Lauren's point, what you're seeing is the public is saying, 
wait a minute, I'm sorry. Why must there be a separate uh, standard for them than it is for everybody else? And so that's where the challenges are really coming in when it comes to these cops. And yes, these DAs and putting pressure on them saying, y'all had better stop being in bed with the police departments and prosecute fairly. Oh, and well, you know, for DAs, it's almost an impossible position to be in. And I, by no means, make apologies for DAs, but as we've seen with these blue flus that come down in every city, including right here in Atlanta and New York and other places, the minute you try to call police officers responsible to police and police unions, um, offer retribution. So what happens in DAs' offices is that they have to work so close to the police is that if you try to take action against a police officer, suddenly you're not getting any cases coming in. You're not getting uh, any indictments. You're not getting police reports. You're not getting any Thing coming through that allows you to uh, to do your job. The police departments and the police unions have figured out how to hold our entire criminal justice system and indeed our and cities and our uh, elected officials for ransom like the mafia. And until we do something to break up those criminal apparatuses that they use to influence public policy, then there's really no progress that we can be made. That can be made. We have to look at these collective bargaining agreements. We have to look at breaking up these unions and finding out how to make these police officers and these uh, uh, these this leadership accountable to the people and not simply accountable to their union. This is real clear for me, Tiffany. The only way you're going to hold them accountable is you got to prosecute them. Then you got to fire them. And then if they're going to have this blue sick out, you make it perfectly clear. You don't do your job, taxpayers are not going to keep, keep funding you. You have to break the backs of these people who have to, rob what Robert just said, holding cities hostage. These, these blue sick outs mad you, they, they, they get mad when one cop is held accountable. I'm sorry. Mayors have got to get stand up and say, hell no, this is not going to happen. We are going to take you on. And if y'all want to be petty, if you want to be childish, if you want to act like a brat, fine. But we're not going to tolerate it anymore. It's, it's very racial too, Roland, right? I agree with you 100% that until we start seeing convictions, and still we start seeing punishment for people's actions, nothing is going to change. I'm all on board with you. Two, we see it when it works in favor of white men. But we know of a case of a black woman police officer who pushed another white officer for choking uh, someone in New York last year. Yep. And that police department put her on permanent leave and took her pension from her. Just for she the was, she was She was one, she was one year away from uh, getting 20 years of pension. Go ahead, her name, go ahead. That's right. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember her name. I was hoping you was gonna help me with it. She's out of Buffalo. I got you, go ahead, she's out of Buffalo. Out of Buffalo, New York. And so, and so we see, and that's a black woman whose who's pension got taken away. And so, so we see a white officer, several white officers push an old white man who's 74 years old, bust his head and, and he is laying in a hospital bed and all the officers had a blue flu and went on strike because they were upset that an officer got taken off of leave. And so we see not just the solidarity, the unity, and the unionism of police being dangerous and the lack of accountability that elected officials are able to take because they decide they're going to uh, stand in solidarity with each other and have boycotts and strikes. But when it comes to white men, that's only when it shows up. It does not show up for communities of color. It does not show up for black women. It does not show up for black police officers. And so we need to see a full change, which is why you have movements like Black Lives Matter, the NAACP, a movement for black lives, et cetera, calling for reform, defund, and abolish. And until those things continue to happen, we will not see change in this country for black people. And that really is the challenge, Lauren, of these mayors. They have got to lead. They've got to stop being afraid of 
police departments? Well, you know, that's always a tough one now, isn't it? Because the mayors, of course, are working very closely with the police departments. Uh, most mayors do have the power to pick their chief of police. And I frankly think that the mayors a lot of times get intimidated by the police. They get intimidated by the, sort of this weird alpha male thing that goes on. They don't want to be seen as crossing the police. And it's a big political thing, obviously. You have the union consideration, but you have political considerations, which we see too many mayors who want to be the friends of the police instead of being the friends of the people that they're serving. And so, you know, they get into this sort of interesting thing of saying things like, I don't want to tell the police what to do as if they're working for the police. You know, uh, the citizens did not elect the police chief. They elected the the elected official, the public servant that is that is there. And I think a lot of mayors forget that and get intimidated, frankly, by that presence of, of a law enforcement officer. All right, folks, let's talk about... Ro Rosen, I yes, got go her ahead. name. I got her name. It was... Cariel Holman Horn. Mm -hmm. Cariel Holman Horn. That was her name. Go ahead. All right, folks. Let's talk about this next story. And that is another Confederate statue is coming down. Today, hundreds gathered in Richmond, Virginia, to watch the removal of the Stonewall Jackson Monument. Richmond Mayor LeVar Stoney ordered the immediate removal of the monument in less than two hours after the Richmond City Council held off a vote to get rid of the Confederate monuments. Instead, the vote was to be taken on Thursday. Stoney released a video statement further explaining the emergency removal today. Fellow Richmonders, today I order the immediate removal of Confederate monuments from their pedestals. This work, already underway, will continue over the next several days. I've given this order for two reasons. First, it's a matter of public safety. Failing to remove the statues now poses a severe, immediate, and growing threat to public safety. For the last 33 consecutive days, people have been gathering in large numbers in our city. And as the COVID-19 pandemic continues to surge and protesters attempt to take down Confederate statues themselves or confront others who are also doing so, the risk grows for serious illness, injury, or death. As we've already seen all occur in the great Commonwealth, we have an urgent need to protect the public. Multiple acts of the city council and the governor provide me the authority to act today. In 2017, the council adopted the city of Richmond's emergency operations plan and named Richmond's mayor as a director of emergency management. And on May 29th of this year, city council consented to my declaration of emergency relating to the recent civil unrest. Two days later, on May 31st, the governor issued an executive order proclaiming a state of emergency in Richmond for the same reasons. Yesterday, he extended that order through at least July 30th. Now, the Code of Virginia and the city's emergency operations plan specifically authorized me as mayor to protect the health and safety of persons and property. I urge everyone to allow our team of crane operators to complete the removals safely. I will be working with council over the coming weeks to outline an inclusive public process through which we, as a community, can determine the ultimate fate of these statues. Until then, they will be kept in storage. The second reason I act today is because it is past time. As the capital city of Virginia, we have needed to turn this page for decades. And today, we will. Since the end of Richmond's official tenure, 
as the capital of the Confederacy 155 years ago, we have been burdened with that legacy. The great weight of that burden has fallen on our residents of color, but has also placed a weight on all of our brothers and sisters who saw the unmet potential for Richmond to become an international example of a diverse, compassionate, and inclusive community. These statues, although symbolic, have cast a shadow on the dreams of our children of color. By removing them, we can begin to heal and focus our attention on our future. Let me be clear. Removing these monuments is not a solution to the deeply embedded racial injustices in our city and nation, but is a down payment. We have much work to do to realize Richmond's true potential. Now is an opportunity to listen and to learn. Just as we're transforming the city's landscape, we must transform the systems that have long served to hold back Richmonders of color. We will replace these symbols, not only with new artwork that inspires and reflects our shared values, but also with new policies, practices, procedures rooted in those values. I also recognize the opportunity to engage people beyond the established leadership in Richmond. The past month has brought many new and young leaders to the fore, from the Black Lives Matter movement to Voices for American Indians and beyond, it is my responsibility to ensure you have a prominent seat at a larger table where you can be heard and understood. This afternoon, the story of a new Richmond begins. The public process will allow us to consider how to replace these monuments together. And I hope that we choose representations of our community's collective ideals of equality and justice. May we choose artworks that bring sustenance to the eyes as well as the soul, and in which our children and their children will see themselves and their greatest aspirations. So let us move forward together, remembering what Dr. King once said, never, never be afraid to do what's right. Richmond, I love you, and I look forward to working with you as we chart a more inclusive course for our great city. See, what you're dealing with here, folks, you're dealing with, again, uh, this contentious battle going on. In fact, Donald Trump today sent this video out to his followers. You need to understand what's happening because they're trying to push as many of their racial white resentment buttons as possible. Watch this to do with pursuing justice or unifying the country. This is all about sheer political gain, political calculation, and trying to satisfy the cancel culture. There is a proper way to petition your government if you do not like something, and it is called a peaceful protest. I just think lawlessness of pulling down statues, let's do it the way that it's supposed to be done. It is extremely unhealthy in a society governed by the rule of law to allow the mob to prevail. As a nation, we are founded on principles. We are a constitutional republic. We've got to stop the mob. Why would you take an abolitionist statute down? Why would you be going after Abraham Lincoln? The people doing this hate our country. We have great parts of our history. We have very dark and ugly parts of our history. I don't think we can just wipe that away and ignore that all those things occurred. And I think it is important to have good reminders around our nation of dark seasons in our past so that we will remember what we've come from. Tearing down history for the sake of anarchy is not how we make progress in this country. Your system of government is, as is the case here in the United States, it's informed by our past. 
there are, are some historical figures that, while not perfect, uh, we can learn from. We don't want to go changing everything all at once. Americans know that an imperfect nation built by imperfect heroes is still the most perfect union the world has ever seen. And when the dust settles, it is never, never the mobs or bullies whom we honor. Well, Laura, to listen to Mitch McConnell say is still the most perfect union, the fact that he could even utter such stupidity shows that for a lot of people who look like us, this is not a perfect union. And it has not been a perfect union, and it's still not a perfect union. And to listen to those Republicans in that video, no, we need these things, things to remind us of the past. Go to Germany right now. You will not find a single statue or monument to Hitler or the Nazis. And trust me, they have never forgotten. Yeah, and the mob, this idea that the mob and, and the bullies are wrong or something, you know, really, the reason that the statues are down in Richmond is because of protest every single day for about a month, the entire month of June. Uh, if it wasn't for the activists in the streets getting out there and expressing their discontent and being loud and, and getting noisy and all of that, then it just doesn't happen. There was an extended discussion with regard to taking the statues down in Richmond, Virginia, a few years ago, and they wanted to, quote, put the statues in context. They wanted to somehow put a plaque at all the bottom of them explaining who everybody was. And uh, there was always a group of people involved, uh, the, the grassroots activists, who were saying, no, they actually have to come down. These people represented slavery. They fought for slavery. They fought effectively for racism. Uh, that's a lot of times how change happens. We not, may not want to admit it, but that, that street demonstration is what made this moment happen today in Richmond. And, um, you know, the idea from the Republicans that this country was founded on this type of of demonstration, this type of activism. So I have no idea what that, that movie was about. But, you know, unfortunately, the president, Donald Trump hasn't figured out yet. I think he's going to find out in November that you don't have enough. His base is not big enough to win. He's going to try to go for that again, but I just don't think it's going to work. Uh, and that's it. Look, the, re the reality, Robert, when you look at this whole deal, again, you just can't openly display the swastika in Germany. Germans have not forgotten the millions of Jews who were killed. They have not forgotten that. They have forgotten that history. In fact, they are ashamed of their history. The difference between Germany and the United States is that the people who support Mitch McConnell, the people who support the Republicans, they love that history of the Confederates. And they somehow, not somehow, we know exactly how they did it, but they're mad that we are rejecting the war of northern aggression. Uh, we are rejecting the, the fairy tales that they created where people go, no, this is pride in the South. This is not about slavery. Well, well Roland, be, beyond that, you talk about the issue of fairy tales. The fact is that we lie to people in this country. We teach them propaganda in school, and we teach them that as history. So we teach that George Washington chopped down a cherry tree and could not tell a lie. We don't teach that he owned 300 slaves and used to steal their teeth to put into his dentures. We don't talk about the fact that Thomas Jefferson, he's the father of our country, writer of the 
um, Declaration of Independence, we don't talk about him owning 150 slaves and raping children. Um, so to maintain this lie, they're willing to do whatever it takes to maintain the lie of the America that they have created. So when they talk about this idea that, well, you know, the statues are history, 9-11 is history. You show me where the uh, statue and the monument to the 9-11 hijackers is in New York, and then I will say you can keep your Confederate statues. But the fact is, the way that you teach history isn't by having a Confederate general astride upon a horse in his full military regalia, holding a musket and a saber, looking as if he's leading, uh, he's leading a war into, uh, against the devil himself. That doesn't show context. That doesn't show what really happened. That promotes the propaganda, propaganda image that we have in America. America, that white is always right and white supremacy is so woven into this nation that to attack white supremacy is to attack America itself. And that's why, Tiffany, these folks are angry. And the reason they're yanking statues down, because these politicians didn't have the guts to stand up to voters and remove them themselves. The public is saying, we ain't waiting on y'all any longer. Roland, in 2015, which is not the earliest that this started, but I'm going to name it because it was a pivotal moment in our history. Speaking of history, in June 2015, Bree Newsom was arrested for climbing the pole to take down the Confederate flag. Five years later, we are here looking at Confederate statues, flags across the country that have not been removed by elected officials. I am so angry when I hear elected officials tell the mob, which, by the way, are people like me, because we're the ones who are the leaders, the strategists, the activists, the protesters, the organizers, the leaders, the spokespersons, the fundraisers, the strategists, etc. We are the ones out in the streets trying to figure out. We tried to play nicely and do it your way. It's not working. Petitions. We spoke at the city council meeting. We voted people in office. Y'all did not remove any of the statues of the flag. We just saw what happened in Mississippi when they removed the symbol, the symbol of the Confederate and the actual flag. But five years later, because Bree took down the flag back in 2015, now we're looking at people tear down, not violently, tear down these icons of pillars of Confederate leaders who, by the way, you, I do not learn history by looking at a statue. What you want to do and what you need to do is fix Common Core and teach true black history, teach the true history of America. Then we can have a conversation about America's history. If you're going to talk about the statues and not about Common Core, you don't need to have a conversation with me about what America needed, needed to fix its legacy and its history and what we need to stand proud to represent this country for. So when we talk about tearing down these statues, I don't care. With the speech that you just played from the mayor, the young mayor in Richmond, was brilliant and incredible for those two simple reasons he decided to take them down. Because we are still in the middle of a pandemic, so it would be wise and advantageous of our elected leaders to say, wait a minute, y'all tearing down the statues? Okay, we're just going to tear them down before y'all decide to tear them down. So that way, at least, we can savor them and put them in storage. Because what we're going to do when we get to them is not be nice. Because when we tried to follow the process, when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, when Bree took down the flag by herself, when we petition, when we post on social media, you still don't listen. So now it's gotten to the point where we need to escalate our tactics. And clearly, that has y'all up in arms. We plan on continuing that strategy to escalate our tactics, to get what we want, to make sure our history teaches the true history of this country, and to make sure at the end of the day, Black people are free and liberated of all white supremacy, period. 
Well, and today Donald Trump tweeted this. Go to my iPad. New York City is cutting police money by $1 billion, and yet the mayor is going to paint a big, expensive, yellow Black Lives Matter sign on Fifth Avenue, denigrating this luxury avenue. This will further antagonize New York's finest who love New York and vividly remember the horrible BLM chant, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. Maybe our great police, <coughs> who have been neutralized and scorned by a mayor who hates and disrespects them, won't let this symbol of hate be affixed to New York's greatest street, spend this money fighting crime instead. This symbol of hate. Folks, on Juneteenth, Mayor of Moss Point, Mississippi, Mario King, decided to paint a Black Lives Matter illustration with, with a peace and strength symbol in front of City Hall. The mural became controversial within the city as people began to show anger and concern. Some called the painting graffiti and said it did not represent everyone who lived in the community. However, many others praised both the painting and the mural. Today, the mural was vandalized by a white man. Watch this. Mario King joins us right now. So, Mario, what did he do? Did he sit here? He changed the white to black? <laughs> That's what he did. He actually so he black on black. He made, the, he made the fist blacker. He made it blacker. But, you know, the problem is, is that um, I actually went down and explained to this individual um, what the fist actually meant. And it represents peace and, and equity and human rights, not black, just purely just all this, the things they like to say that we're racist, uh, all that foolishness that we hear, that's a detractor, that's a detour from what this really is. But overall, this individual, he sat out there and he protested for two days and then he came and waited in the, in the early in the morning and he came and painted over it. And now his daughter, his family's calling us, begging us to protect him and all this type of stuff. And like I told him, when I went out there and painted Black Lives Matter out there, I, plant, I painted out there to spark interest in a discussion that needed to be had. But when he did that, they all of a sudden claiming that Black people are harassing them. They're using their words that they always use to make Black people feel uncomfortable and to scare people off. But this time it's not happening. But Roland, I'm going to tell you something here in Moss Point, Mississippi. We are 71% African-American. And Black Lives Matter has always been a problem in the city of Mississippi. This individual, this sign was painted on Juneteenth. I did that for a reason, to symbolize and I, so people can understand Juneteenth and what black people really are going through. And we did it all the next day with a march, followed by a march, followed by um, a, a peaceful protest, followed by educating them on all the things black. We did that. But the problem is, is when the flag was removed, thank you, Jesus, they removed that foolishness. But as, as soon as they removed that, it it became a big issue. Everybody's mad again. And, oh, this represents hate. This represents this. And, and they just try to detour us from what really needs to happen. But I've been listening to the discussion on your show earlier, and people are 100% right. And your, your panelists are right. We need leaders, mayors to step up. You do not have to fly Confederate symbol. You have the autonomy. And if you have a city manager, be a council. Step up and put a policy in place. Same thing with legislatures, same thing with congressmen and congresswomen. 
even if it doesn't pass, put the bill out there. Put the legislation out there. Right. Put the policy out there. Stop waiting. And the only time the democratic process is interfered with is when the public and the people that make up the democratic process are not happy. Well, we know, of course, the Confederate flag is now down in Mississippi uh, because guess what? It was black football players uh, who said, no, we ain't playing. And then Mississippi, the SEC <laughs> said, no championships in the state. Money talked in Mississippi. I do want, I want, do want to get your thoughts on this and I'll bring my panel in as well. Uh, this was the exchange between Kaylee McEnany, the press secretary for Trump, as well as Jonathan Carl, ABC News, about Black Lives Matter. Watch this. Why is the president calling Black Lives Matter a symbol of hate? Well, what the president um, was noting is that uh, that symbol, um, when you look at some of the things that have been chanted by Black Lives Matter, like pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, um, that's not an acceptable phrase to paint on our streets. Look, he agrees um, that all Black Lives Matter, including that of Officer David Dorn, Patrick Underwood, two officers whose lives were tragically taken amid these riots, all Black Lives do matter. He agrees with that sentiment. But what he doesn't agree with is an organization that chants pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon about our police officers, our valiant heroes who are out on the street protecting us each and every day. Americans of all races have protested in all 50 states. Uh, around that phrase, Black Lives Matter. And the president is here calling it a symbol of hate. He's talking about the organization. Um, I would note to you that the greater New York BLM president has said, if this country doesn't give us what we want, that we will burn down the system. And I could be speaking literally. I'd call that a pretty hateful statement. Kill, yes, Ben. talking about the organization in his tweet. He says yes, the words. Ben. He says the words. Which, Black Lives what's Matter. What's the name of the organization again? Black Lives Matter. There you go. You that, just answered my question. Go ahead, Ben. All right, here's first of all, uh, Mayor. Donald Trump and Kelly McEnany ain't got a damn clue what the hell Black Lives Matter is. And you know, the unfortunate part is, is that most white people, including the individual and like-minded individuals like the one that painted over our beautiful mural in the street, don't want to know. They are willfully ignorant. And they are purposefully not trying to understand what this is all about. And they, we cannot, black people... Do not be distracted by stupidity and ig willful ignorance of these people. It doesn't make sense. And that's all it is. And leaders, step up. Stand up. We need you We need you more than ever right now, especially black leaders. But the problem is they don't want to know, Roland. They want to be ignorant. They want to act like it's a symbol of hate. They don't want to feel it. They and, and look, this is the deal. I told them this. Advance to the rear. We're okay with that. We This change is happening. And we are not stopping. This momentum here that I have here in Moss Point, here in the state of Mississippi, we're going to keep pushing and I'm going to keep galvanizing my people, I'm, white people and black people. We're going to keep bringing everybody to the table. We want to hear your voices because I want to identify the ones that we can't count on, but I want to make sure that we count the ones that we can. Here's why we need to move forward. Here's why this is a joke, um, uh, Tiffany. This is the actual chant. Well, listen to this. A disturbing turn. This from Minnesota. Watch. This group marching at the state fair, chanting horrific. Uh, Tiffany, that was five years ago. That was one, one group of protesters. <laughs> one group of protesters in Minneapolis. Who were the, I'm sorry, what did I just say? A group of protesters in Minneapolis? Where was George Floyd killed? 
in Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Wow, look at that. Where mm -hmm. was Flando Castile killed? In Minneapolis. Minneapolis. But, but the fact that yeah. one, one group of protesters in Minneapolis five years ago, now the entire Black Lives Matter movement, they all believe this. Sit the hell down. Here's my problem. Uh, my problem is, ironically, for the first time ever, I'm going to say Fox News got it right. And Roland, I've known you for years and been on your show. I've never said this. But three days ago, Fox News actually put up the demands and they, they named the organization correctly. To be clear, the movement for Black Lives is an organization. Black Lives Matter is the campaign, is the theme, is the people, is the hashtag. Fox News reported, and I have it right here, they said the movement for Black Lives has 10 demands and then listed the demands correctly. Reparations, no bail, release all um, uh, prisoners from jail, no death penalty, free education, free health care, defund the police, cut the military budget, redistribution of wealth, and publicly financed campaigns. So the, like the mayor said earlier, Folks who don't want to know are going to continue to make up the lies that they want to believe in because they don't want to see it any other way. But the important thing is, if you have questions, we have this amazing tool that is available to everybody called Google. And all you got to do is Google Movement for Black Lives and investigate on their website what are they actually calling and demanding for. And Fox News, for the first time, did that work and was able to clearly articulate what the demands are. I don't care what people were chanting five years ago. I don't care what the white people are chanting when they come out to the marches this year. What I care about is what are the stances, the agenda, and the leadership demanding and working on to get for our communities? And as long as Donald Trump continues to um, dog whistle our communities, we're going to continue to see this narrative of fake lies and fake news because he wants to win in November 3rd, and he's mad that he's not going to. And uh, Mayor King, you have the Department of Homeland Security announcing they're sending um, rapid deployment teams across the country to protect Confederate statues. Well, ain't that something? How about you actually protect black lives that are being lost, not, a, not, not a bunch of stone, Mayor? They, they don't really care about us. They, they Again, which is the reason that, Tiffany, you said it, which is the reason for the, another reason for this movement. They're not trying to protect black people. They're not trying to change policy, but they're mad and they're trying to deflect on all the things that are happening. But we got to be stronger. We we must be more strong, stronger when it comes down to these policies. We must make, put meaningful and intentional policies in place. And we cannot allow racist, ignorant people to change the way we feel or to change the way we react. And so again, like I, Tiffany, you you really killed me today. I, I just want to say thank you, but it's it's important, it's so vital that we I want, like I want black brother, hold on, black brother. I don't want to kill you. I want to make sure you live it and thrive it and liberation. <laughs> I don't want to kill nobody. Wait a minute, brother. Go ahead, Mr. <laughs> right, Mr. Right, so speed. 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 I don't want to kill my black my black kings. We're gonna keep you here. Go ahead. But I appreciate that, Tiffany. You're right. I want you you got me living, baby. But I want to say this. We have a, they take down the Confederate um, flag here. There is so much more work to be done in Mississippi. There, there are Confederate statues down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. There's still um, only one black mayor on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Out of all the CEOs on the Gulf Coast, there's only one black one, and that's me, the mayor. There's not any, there, we have so much work to do when it comes down to, making sure that black lives actually matter here in the state of Mississippi. I, 
that was was crazy is is how openly stupid and how openly racist is that we're what we're seeing. If you just go to my Facebook page and just see the ignorance displayed by these white people and the threats that oh we got guns we have this we're gonna kill him we're gonna do this we're gonna do that they're not trying you think any of them have protected me nobody but my police department but do you think anybody have called you think anybody have no they have allowed these people to be ignorant but today today we get a call from the sheriff's department about this one white man who's upset because he decided to come and vandalize a painting that represented him and everybody else and he was too ignorant to even see that so it's so crazy what we see. His daughter, she called today, and you know what they're doing in Mississippi now? They have, I got emails, I have Facebook posts. They want to remove Martin Luther King's name from all of the streets in the state of Mississippi. You know, wow. they have a petition going around. They have, these are the, this is the type of stupidity that we're experiencing here on the ground in Mississippi since the Confederate statue. They're talking about the Mega Everest Monument, burning down the house. All of these types of things are the things that are now being displayed and are actually being showcased on social media and the news. But you don't hear them talking about protecting uh, Mega Everest House. You don't see them putting more security out there, but they want to put more security around the Confederate statue. I wish they would try to do some foolishness like that on this coast while I'm the mayor, because I promise you, you think that y'all have seen the movement, it will be one greater than you've ever seen, because I'm a mayor that's going to speak up, and I'm a mayor that don't have an administrator. I am the mayor. So I will make sure that we don't have foolishness like that. I'm not afraid of this stuff, and I think we need more leaders. Leadership is poor, and these people are listening. Every time Donald Trump says something stupid like Black Lives Matter is a symbol of hate, you give these idiots a platform to try to speak up and speak out, and they're stupid right behind them. They're following this idiot. Right. And that's not right. <laughs> Robert, Robert, here's the deal, Robert. Robert, here's the deal here. Donald Trump only has one card to play. It's not the economy. He can't do that. Uh, Axios, which, you know, okay... <laughs> they they out with a report saying that he regrets following Jared Kushner and getting criminal justice reform because that's not going to get him any more any more votes. Donald Trump, his only card to play is white racial resentment. Well, well you know, it's it's a, a tough spot to be in if you're the the progressives within the Republican movement or even the moderates who who want to get things done because as President Trump has gone along. All of that African-American outreach has not worked. The same people who were at the Black People for Trump event um, six, well, five years ago were the same ones who were in Tulsa. Um, the idea of getting more females on board with Ivanka Trump leading that, uh, that campaign, that didn't work. The idea of getting more Latinos on board, that hasn't worked. Um, running on the economy has just fallen from under him because we realized that, guess what, the president does not control the economy outside events do, uh, and the stock market has nothing to do with how average Americans live. The stock market is hitting a record this week, while nearly 50 million people are unemployed. So the president, I think, is falling to his most nativist in instincts, keeping Stephen Miller around, um, that uh, Steve Bannon part of the party that can only lead him to a place where we are uh, arguing about Confederate statues instead of the unemployment rate. Lauren, I, I just, again, watching this at play, I, I'm just sort of laughing at these people uh, because, I, and I've been saying this for years, White fear. They cannot handle what's going on. It's driving them yep. crazy, Lauren. Yeah. Yep. That's by the idea that they don't know what it means to deface something that says Black Lives Matter, the president. 
doesn't really understand what he's doing. It's like, it's like the Drew Brees thing. Drew Brees knew what the phrase Black mm -hmm. Lives Matter meant. They knew that that whole ridiculousness about saying that you were attacking our military somehow had something to do with Colin Kaepernick kneeling. They know exactly what it means. The, the, the real statement here is that the fact that we are centering African-Americans is bothersome to them says all you need to know about American history for the last 400 years. The yes. fact that it is an outrageous statement to make that black lives, in fact, matter, the fact that it was painted in front of Trump Tower in Manhattan, and the fact that the president equates that with some sort of a problem or some sort of a, you know, uh, something wrong with centering black lives and saying they actually matter says it all. And they understand exactly what it means. That's exactly the problem. And I love the fact that Jonathan Carl was able to say at the White House that, you know, not only is it strange that the president is saying that, but in fact that the demonstrations that we're seeing are not just African-Americans, it's other Americans as well. It's a diverse coalition out there. And of course, they, they can't get around that. That's even a tougher nut to crack. Right, because right. Because their cynical assumption, of course, is that everybody is racist like they are. Everybody tends to think that you think as I do, and Donald Trump has that mentality, and that's why he's going to lose in November. Well, again, and we talk about what's happening. This will be the last question for the mayor. I'm going to play this first. What's happening right now, this Lincoln Project ad speaks to it because it's those white independents that they are freaking out about who are fleeing them because, especially those white educated voters, so when yes. you look at what's happening with this Confederate flag in Mississippi and these statues, that's what's getting to them. Go ahead and play that, folks. On Sunday, June 28, 2020, the Mississippi State Legislature voted to take down the Confederate battle flag, a day many thought would never come. But Donald Trump had a different vision of America. That was the message the President of the United States shared with millions. On a day when the heart of the Confederacy finally lowered its flag, Donald Trump was still fighting the Civil War. America is better than Donald Trump. We want to move forward together. This November, say no to Donald Trump's racist anger and division. Say yes to a good man who can help us heal. Mayor, that ad, that's not targeting black people. That's for white independent voters who went for Trump, especially the college-educated voters in 2016. I agree. Look, I got three things I want to say about all of this. Um, as it relates to me as an elected official and my counterparts, the first thing is elected officials need to do what they're supposed to do and not all the time what people want them to do. And that might not be making popular decisions, but it's a decision of equity for everyone that share in, in, the, in the same benefits that they need, which is public service, public safety, and so on and so on. The other piece of it is I want us to stop saying that we don't have no other choice but to vote for Trump. No, I'm about to vote for Biden. The thing is, voting right now, we need to make the best choice. Donald Trump is the worst choice that we could ever make on November 3rd. And so we're not voting for Joe Biden or, or writing our name in whatever you want to do because that is what we the only choice we have. We're making the right choice. 
So we need to stop discounting the fact that we're voting for someone because of whatever, whatever. And the last thing is, you are right. It's these campaigns are targeting educated white people. They, you know, but we cannot continue to discount the black vote either. We got to make sure that we're still incorporating the black vote in all that we do. But we do need to make sure that we're getting those independents. And we need to make sure that because some even Republicans are even on the fence for what they're going to do. But remember, last time we thought that we had the race in the bag, that Donald Trump would not win. We had all these silent people come out and support. So you best to believe that there's going to be a whole lot of that happening, too. So we got to make sure that we're changing people's hearts and their and their energy and make sure that they're making the right choice. And so we can't keep saying and de deflecting ourselves and saying, hey, we're just voting for him because he's the he's the only choice that's out there. We need to make the best choice and the right choice, which is not Donald Trump. And we need to be, as elected officials, we need to step up and we need to do the right thing in our community, especially surrounding symbols of hate and, and issues of hate and not be afraid. And I agree with you, too. Again, Tiffany, when it comes down to policing and those types of things, I have a really good relationship with my police chief. But it doesn't mean I'm going to be very clear. He knows how I feel and he knows that I'll go against him and he knows that I'll be real and straight up with him no matter what. And it's the same thing in our fire department. All so, right. That's it. Mayor Mario King, we should appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank y'all. Have a good night. This is, I mean, bottom line is what we're dealing right here, um, dealing with here, uh, Lauren, is that is, he's absolutely right. First of all, I don't believe anything is in the bag. I don't care about any of these polls. I saw the latest poll uh, that came out from public policy uh, showing, um, you know, Donald Trump uh, down in uh, a number of these places. I keep telling people, means nothing to me. Means nothing to me. My assumption is that Joe Biden is down. At the end of the day, mobilize, organize, register, vote to get this man out because, again, you see 200 federal judges, the Republicans have confirmed. That is 25%, Lauren, of all federal judges in America. Right. And I, I do think that, you know, there's obviously a lot of things that uh, will be changing, I think, uh, after next January, not only the judicial shifts, but I do think the Senate is going to be in play. Uh, it's not that I think that Joe Biden is, you know, it's just definitely just going to happen. It's not going to happen. Obviously, he has to do all the things that you have to do uh, in any other election. There, it's it's going to be a little bit different, though, because I do think the ground game considerations are different when you have the COVID you're not going to have the door knocking. You're not going to have a lot of the in-person that we used to have. But I, I cannot imagine. Uh, we're seeing sort of the signs already that the people who voted for Trump in 2016 are definitely having buyer's remorse. And that that is a key aspect of why I think uh, he is going to lose, not so much the polls, but just when everybody starts checking in with the folks that actually voted for him. Uh, and you factor that in with the fact that Frankly, Hillary Clinton, I thought, again, was a, uh, a lousy candidate and still got three million more votes than he did. Uh, so I, I, I'd be... It would be hard for me to believe that we could be sitting here with 120,000 people dead because this idiot could not read his intelligence back in February and people would still vote him into office after 40 million people have filed for unemployment. And of course, anything is possible, but I just find that hard to believe. Not only that, Robert, I mean, good. Folks, go to my iPad. This is the uh, change poll, CNBC poll just dropped. Uh, Arizona, Biden 51, Trump 44. Florida, Biden 50, Trump 45. Wisconsin, Biden 51, Trump 43. Pennsylvania, Biden 50, Trump 44. Michigan, Biden 48, Trump 43. North Carolina, Biden 51, Trump 44. It's still the, it's, this is the 1st of July. At the end of the day, I still say, doesn't matter. 
Uh, the reality is, is uh, according to the polls, show is tight in Texas. They're tied in um, Georgia as well. Look, at the end of the day, I'm like my man and remember the Titans. Herman, leave no doubt. Look, look, Roller, we have to understand that Joe Biden has very little to do with this race. He hasn't campaigned, really. He hasn't uh, really left the, the basement in months, and he's winning by double digits in many polls. This is going to be a referendum on the incumbent. If next month or in September, coronavirus mysteriously disappears off the face of the earth, we rebound with a job surge of you know, 50 million people uh, uh, get rehired in our economy, um, suddenly we get, uh, we get a new trade deal with uh, China, we get a nuclear deal with Iran, and a climate deal all before the November elections, then President Trump will indeed win re-election. But it all comes down to how he is able to handle these crises. Presidents are judged not on their best day, but on their worst day. Uh, nobody says Herbert Hoover would have been a great president if it wasn't for the Great Depression, or that uh, or the George Bush, if not for 9-11, would have done a great job. So President Trump has to run for better or for worse on how he handles these current crises, and so far, he does not seem to have been up to the job. Well, and Tiffany, what you're looking at again is his response. He wants to call Black Lives Matter a hate symbol? Come on. Feel free, and we're gonna hate you right out of office, no problem. There, There's some there's something that we need to always remember, um, not just about Donald Trump, but about how white supremacy works across uh, our, our timeline in America. Anything that has had to do with black people has been dirty, has been hateful, has been negative. And when we think about the, the work that Black Lives Matter has done to advance a conversation that was a continuum from the civil rights movement up until now, it is about liberation. It is about freedom and, and ending all oppression on people of color. And anything that challenges or comes against white supremacy or white power or white um, idolizing of statues, Donald Trump is going to speak out against because he's trying to save and protect his audience. So I am counting on not just young people, but I'm counting on people who look like me, my black community. I'm counting on the Latinx community. I'm counting on queer people of color. I am counting on uh, uh, the, the, the folks who are middle class. And I'm counting on all the educated folks and not educated folks to come out and make the best choices, not the right choice, not the only choice, but the best choice for our community, because so much is at stake for our future. Well, what's also happening is, and, and, and look, it's not gotten lots of attention, but, but, but the reality is this here. Um, this, this report about the Russians taking out bounties against American troops. This is the guy who is just all constantly praise, praise, praise the troops. Let me tell you something. Americans, Lauren, are very sensitive when it comes to stories along those lines. When you talk about um, American troops and then how he, the White House has constantly lied. He says it didn't exist. Bolton said, I told him personally. Now he's got the DOD saying, well, no, we really haven't confirmed that whole deal. Here's another Lincoln Project ad. And I'm telling you, when you start picking off veterans and you start picking off folks in the military now and again, and those vets, it plays a role if it gives the impression he doesn't care about our troops. Watch this. Самое важное одобрение, которое получил Дональд Трамп в 2016 году, было не от вашего лидера Сената Митча Макконнелла, и не от вашего конгрессмена Пола Райана, и не от кого-то из ваших сенаторов-республиканцев, представителей или губернаторов. Нет. 
Самое важное одобрение Дональд Трамп получил в 2016 году от нашего великого вождя Владимира Путина. Наши спецслужбы работали сверхурочно, чтобы избрать товарища Трампа. Мы вели войну против так называемой правды, которую вы, закрывающие американцы, распускали про нашего товарища. Мы манипулировали вашими избирателями, распространяли нашу славную пропаганду и вас, американских собак, отравливали друг на друга. Компания товарища Трампа мудро приняла нашу помощь. Теперь наш мудрый и сильный лидер Владимир Путин еще раз выбрал себе американского союзника Дональда Трампа. Еще раз. И товарищ Трамп с радостью принял помощь матушке России. Еще раз. Поздравляю, товарищ Трамп. Россия благодарит вас за верность и дружбу. Damn, Lauren, was the Democrats were that good? No, well, they're not, unfortunately, and I have no idea why the Democratic Party doesn't hire whoever the hell it is that does this type of digital work that is just a home run every single time. Uh, but the Lincoln Project is, is just off the chain. They'll continue to be off the chain because, in fact, the president, the president is giving them their material. They don't really have to do anything except tell the story of exactly what he's doing to make these ads. That's what's so incredible about it. And, uh, you know, the president, he, he runs the same script of lying every time something happens. I wasn't briefed. I didn't know anything about it. I don't know what you're talking about. And then all everybody in his administration comes out and says, actually, yeah, you know, other than what, whatever her name is, the spokeswoman. And... Uh, He's just a liar. He's just a pathologist. And for some reason, he thinks everybody is stupid. He can just tell us anything, and we're just going to go for it. And the shtick got old from the very beginning. It's gotten getting real old now that you're nearing 130,000, you know, deaths. He never knows anything about anything. You know, everything's a big mystery. But you're right about the military aspect. We have several states, Virginia, South Carolina, Florida, Texas, Uh, where military service is a very big deal, yeah. and I can assure you that people are extremely focused on this moment. Uh, Robert, here's an ad put out by Vote Vets, again, a veterans organization. Uh, they represent millions of veterans. Watch this. He shakes his hand. An American dies. They pal around. Another roadside attack. Putin pays bounties to Taliban enemies to kill American soldiers, and not a word from Donald Trump. Intelligence reports on his desk. He says nothing to his Russian master. Takes no action to protect us. Who is the enemy? If you're going to act like a traitor, you don't get to thank us for our service. He shakes Damn. his hand. An American. Damn, house. Robert. They pound wow. him. Well, look, I, I think we're going to see, because of the deficiencies in the Biden's campaign ability to raise money um, and the lack of war chest that they are going to this general election with, I think we're going to see more spending from outside groups of this nature, which are going to be uh, far more free 
to uh, put messaging out that maybe the campaign does not want to have its finger uh, fingerprints upon. Remember, for these issue ads, we have the. Uh, it really is just up to whoever is funding it to determine what the content is, as long as you are as long as you're within FEC guidelines. So, what I would like to uh, also find out is how many of these firms that are doing these outside ads for Democratic groups are, are hiring black and uh, black-owned firms. What's your supply chain looking like? How many black engineers do you have working there? How many people within your um, your filming crew, your editing crew, are African American? Because if we are going to really be part of this party, we also have to be part of the economics of this party. Oh, I agree. All I want is I want it, I want hashtag fire Trump in November. I've been using that. Folks watching, y'all are more than happy to use hashtag fire Trump in November. Now we're gonna go to a break. We come back. We're gonna talk about oh, a bunch of ad companies are firing Facebook. 350 companies, many others are now at it today, who are pulling their money out of Facebook. They're saying, Mark Zuckerberg, you've been ignoring us. I bet you get our attention now. Coming up next, we're talking with Rashad Robinson, who leads Color of Change, about this campaign. Also, we'll talk about, what's up, crazy-ass white people? What's up with these Karens throwing the food out of their grocery carts because they mad about a mask? Really? All of that, a roll mark unfiltered. Back in a moment. You want to support Roller March Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com. So a lot of y'all always asking me about terms, some of the pocket squares that I wear. Now, I don't know. Robert don't have one on. Nope. Now, I don't particularly like the white pocket squares. I don't like even the silk ones. And so I was reading GQ magazine a number of years ago, and I saw uh, this guy who had this, this pocket square here, and it looks like a flower. Uh, this is called a shibori pocket square. This is how the Japanese manipulate the fabric to create this sort of flower effect. So I'm going to take it out and then place it in my hand so you see what it looks like. And I said, man, this is pretty cool. And so I tracked down, the. it took me a year to find a company that did it. Uh, and so uh, they did these about 47 different colors. And so I love them because, again, as men, we don't have many accessories to wear. So we don't have many options. Uh, and so this is really a pretty cool uh, pocket square. Now, what I love about this here is you saw uh, when it's uh, in, in the pocket, you know, it gives you that flower effect like that but if I wanted to also unlike other because if I flip it and turn it over it actually gives me a different type of texture and so therefore it gives me a different look so there you go so uh, if you actually want to uh, get one of these shibori pocket squares we have them in 47 different colors all you got to do is go to rollingthismartin.com forward slash pocket squares so it's rollingthismartin.com forward slash pocket squares. All you got to do is go to my website uh, and you can actually uh, get this. Now, for those of you who are members of our Bring the Funk fan club, there's a discount for you to get our pocket squares. That's why you also got to be a part of our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, and so that's what we want you to do. And so it's pretty cool. So if you want to jazz your look up, you can do that. In addition, uh, y'all see me with some of the feather pocket squares. My sister who's a designer. She actually makes these. They're all custom made. So when you also go to the website, you can also order one of the customized uh, feather pocket squares uh, right there at rollingsmartin.com forward slash pocket squares. So please do so. And of course, uh, that goes to support the show. And again, if you're a Brenda Funk fan club member, you get a discount 
but it's why you should join the fan club. Camp Bin Laden, Joint Base Al Zarqawi. We wouldn't name American military bases after enemies who attacked our country. But 10 military bases still bear the names of Confederate Army traitors, enemies who took up arms against the United States in defense of slavery, names that dishonor those who serve on those bases today. And you can add someone else to that list. Donald Trump dishonors our service when he stopped the military from removing those Confederate names. We need to rename these forts for American heroes, men and women who served our country honorably. But serving honorably, Mr. President, is something you'll just never understand. Mm. They let them know, folks, when you got to hit hard, that's what you have to do. That's what the folks over at Color Change has been doing and other civil rights groups when it comes to Facebook. Facebook has lost more than 350 sponsors uh, from uh, advertisers from their platform because of their unwillingness to really confront uh, racist language and other things on their particular platform. This Stop Hate for Profit campaign uh, has really been picking up steam. Uh, Facebook's barrage of advertising, which accounted for more than 98% of the company's nearly 70%, $70 billion in revenue last year, that's how, that's how you get Mark Zuckerberg's attention, to address the effects of the, that hateful language on the platform. Rashad Robinson is with the president of Color of Change. They have been leading this effort, working alongside other civil rights groups as well. Uh, Rashad, give people an understanding. We've had you on before. We've talked about this with Facebook as well. We've had you on before. I mean, how long have y'all been at this, trying to get Mark Zuckerberg, Sheryl Sandberg, and the leadership of Facebook to do what's right to address this racial hatred, voter suppression, things along those lines on this platform? It's been a little over five years now um, and back and forth with um, Facebook leadership. It started when we found out about all the ways in which their platform was targeting Black Lives Matter activists, um, allowing for people to um, show up at folks' homes and not hold them accountable, um, the ways in which uh, warrantless searches were um, allowed, um, the Facebook uh, live being turned off of Corrine Gaines, a woman in Baltimore that was having an interaction with police. Her Facebook live was turned off because law enforcement um, called and asked it for it to be turned off. And, you know, minutes later, she ends up dead and no video um, to show for it. And so we've had a lot of back and forth with Facebook. A couple of years ago, it was revealed by the New York Times that Facebook had hired a PR firm called Definers to attack us um, and to launch... No, hold, 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 hold on, hold on. When you say attack us... They specifically attacked color of change. Specifically attacked color of change. I am like, literally, I'm in the back of a car going to a meeting in D.C., um, calling, making phone calls, trying to, like, I'm running late, and my staff is texting me. They're like, you need to read this New York Times piece. And in between me getting into the New York Times piece, the New York Times calls me to ask me for comment because they got the piece up before they asked us for comment because they didn't want to be scooped. And the scoop was that they had hired a PR firm to basically run a negative campaign behind the scenes on Color of Change while we were at the table trying to get them to do things. And while Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg were saying that they were committed to civil rights, they were like launching a campaign against a civil rights group. And, you know, that ended up with changing the dynamics. We no longer had to meet sort of with lower level staff alone. We ended up only at that point, I said, I want to meet with Mark and Cheryl. And we started meeting with Mark and Cheryl. We got them to um, publicly announce their civil rights audit and put that out in public. And then we started to get them to implement 
what we thought were policy changes. We got Sheryl Sandberg. We brought her to Atlanta, where Color of Change hosted an event where we brought leaders in the community to talk about their experiences with hate on social media platforms and to have Cheryl sit there with other staff and talk about it. But that same day that Cheryl came to Atlanta, Facebook announces that they're going to exempt politicians from their rules around voter suppression and around hate speech. So basically exempting the most powerful forces in the world um, from actually having to be accountable for the same rules as everyone else and exempting Donald Trump. And so the last meeting I had with Mark and Cheryl was June 1st, where, you know, we sat on a Zoom, um, Cheryl and Eiffel of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund and Benita Gupta of the Leadership Conference on Civil Rights were the other two leaders in there. And we talked with them. And I, I sort of ended the meeting by just looking at Mark, because I was the, sort of the last person to speak um, from our sort of side. And I said, what are we doing here? Why are we keep coming to these? I said, I don't even know why I keep coming to these meetings with you all if I continue to get gaslit about the problems. I just don't think you all get it. And I need a sign that you get it because I am going to pivot. I'm going to pivot leading out of this. And when we left the meeting, we, I pivoted in my messaging. I said that Mark didn't get civil rights. He didn't have any understanding of it. He wasn't interested in having understanding of it. He was interested in growth and he was interested in profit and he was interested in staying out of the sort of uh, kind of lens of Donald Trump and staying in Donald Trump's good graces. That looters and shooters statement that Donald Trump made about shooting um, protesters and, and harming protesters that, that Twitter suppressed, Mark Zuckerberg left it up. And the thing I will end right here is that he left it up after he called Donald Trump and had a conversation with him about it and then left up that post and then got on the phone with us on a Zoom and tried to explain why he didn't violate his policies. And when I asked Mark Zuckerberg, well, what could Donald Trump have said that would have violated your policy? And he couldn't tell me. And so we left that meeting and we started looking at what, what, what was the way that we go after their money. And at the same time, groups like ADL, groups like the NAACP, groups um, like Sleeping Giants were also all looking at different sort of forms of, of going after their advertisers. And as you know, this is one of the things that Color of Change does well. And we all got together and we launched this campaign. And it's getting a lot of traction and a lot of conversations with advertisers. And it's, taking a, it's serving a hit to the um, actual stock prices, which I think is the bigger sort of thing here. And look, let's just cut to the chase. If you want to impact anything in America, it's money. Yeah. Simple as that. If you want to get their attention, it's money. Y'all held off for the longest, and now you're getting their attention. Uh, their stock lost how much value over the weekend? Some $50 billion? Yeah. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg went from the third richest person in the world to the fourth richest person in the world, um, you know, over in a weekend. And um, him personally. And then, you know, yeah, upwards of uh, $50 billion. Um, we're seeing, um, you know, you said 350 advertisers. NPR is reporting over 400. Um, we just, I just got off a call with a coalition where we think it's closer to 600 advertisers, but it's been really hard to fully track. And we're working with some folks that are now sort of helping us dig in deeper because we've just, we've been so focused at, you know, driving the message and, and also dealing with the back and forth with Facebook. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, um, well, Cheryl reached out for a meeting and we sort of let them know that we were happy to meet, but Mark needs to be in the meeting. And we're going to meet with Mark and Cheryl next week, um, early next week, uh, and to have a conversation about next steps. They reached out for that meeting, not us. And so we re-upped the set of demands 
that we have for Facebook to say that this is what we actually want to talk about in this meeting. So if you want to meet with us, happy to do it. But this is these demands haven't changed. Um, and so what are you going to do? And what we're talking about here is again. And so, look, y'all have been very judicious in your actions. Now, to me, this is where you go full bore. And I think this thing also goes beyond this. Look, we've talked about this here. I reached out to them uh, when Facebook announced these 20 news shows they were funding, not a single black media show. Uh, Facebook, they announced a couple of weeks ago some $200 million fund for black businesses, $25 million of that for black content creators. I'm sorry, that's not enough. YouTube announced a $100 million black content creators fund. I mean, the reality is that uh, Facebook has to do far more. Uh, black folks have been significant on their platforms. You know, we've sitting here, we've been, I, I got the emails going back uh, since we, we launched this show September 4th, 2018. We noticed how our audience members on Facebook were not getting their alerts. Uh, the live notifications. We have been battling with them for almost two years. I was on a call yesterday saying the exact same thing. I said, we know we're getting this because our users are telling us what happened to my live notifications. Why am I re not receiving a notice when we go live? Why? Because they're trying to force us to pay to boost to people who already follow me. Yep, and yep. so these are the games they're playing, and I'm sorry. Okay, enough with playing around. And, uh, and not only that, we've been battling with them because their demonetization policy is nuts because you get flagged for somebody claims you're using a video of theirs as a copyright violation, but they don't tell you what the video is. So yep. we've had record growth in the last two months uh, on the platform, and we have literally had negative 100% revenue. And I made it clear to Facebook, if you don't change this, I will pull all of my content off your platform and will only go to YouTube if that's how y'all want to roll. I mean, look, at every turn, they gaslight us. They, they, you know, they, in the early days, they treated us like I didn't have a research team, like I didn't have expertise in this work. I mean, I, I don't know where they thought we came from with some of our, our demands were always clear. They were sort of rooted in like the law and demands and civil rights. But, you know, now they just gaslight us. And so, you know, right now their policy director, Nick Clay, who, you know, I've had to explain over and over again while, you know, pre while, you know, uh, defending and standing up against hate targeting oh, towards black people. You don't have to go and do something for conservatives. There's not, it's not an equivalent. Um, there's right and left, but there's also right and wrong. And civil rights is rooted in right and wrong, not in like a partisan framework. But you know, one of the things that they're going around saying right now is just another example of the gaslighting is that they pull down 90% of the hate content. And they've said it over and over again, 90% of the hate content. But what they actually do is that they are pulling down 90% of the hate content that their artificial intelligence catches. And that's, but they won't submit their artificial intelligence to a third party review. So we actually don't know how much they're actually catching, but they use these sort of lines because they think that we're not paying attention. And they think that like, you know, we're going to bed early and not actually reading all the fine details. Um, in the during the um, early days of the COVID crisis, when I got on the phone with Cheryl and talked to her specifically about all the ways in which disinformation was hitting the black community around COVID on Facebook, from the disease wouldn't hurt us and we couldn't get the disease, to the ways that lupus drugs could cure the disease, and lupus drugs were flying off the shelves, impacting black women who disproportionately have lupus. And I had a phone call with her, and I was walking through these problems, and she said, "We're putting a lot of people on this," and I pushed her again 
again around the fact that their content, their human content moderators were not being fully paid the living wage they should. They were giving horrible uh, working conditions. And because of COVID, they were all sent home and couldn't actually do their jobs. And I said, you have to do something about this. And she said, you know, we're really decreasing. You know, we really had to decrease some of the sort of um, folks that are in the safety and trust, trust division, Rashad, because of COVID. But we're focusing on hate speech and we're focusing on medical misinformation. So, you know, we might miss some other things, but we're focusing on those things. And, I'm, you know, what if GM said to us, you know, we're working really hard. We may not catch as many seatbelts. But you know, we're, we're, we're working really hard during the COVID crisis. We have to reduce our safety and trust. We would not um, think that was okay. And I wanna say that the hate violence on Facebook's platform is literally life and death. We have seen how it has spread, how it has animated the worst aspects of our society. The fact that they just pulled down the Facebook pages for the Boogaloo Boys just the other day after ADL and other groups gave them that content weeks and weeks ago is a result that they're only responding, as you said, to money. And we're going to keep pushing them. Well, in fact, uh, I'm sitting here now. Anthony, can you go to, uh, go to my phone, please? Do you see it? Uh, I've got uh, right here, uh, I got Nakisha says, I don't get all of my notifications. Uh, I got somebody else uh, who's saying, uh, didn't get mine today. Uh, I got others. Now I know why I'm not receiving my notifications. I keep having to hit notifications, um, all this sort of stuff. Because again, we know what's going on. I mean, we, we've... The reason we busted them is because Keenan White, my digital guy, who actually presses the start button when we go live, he did not get a live notification. And he was like, <laughs> wait a minute, I'm not getting one. And we have been telling them, and uh, I got an email back from Mark Lucky saying that, yeah, there's a bug in our system where, where this was, I was told, high traffic, this has happened to high traffic accounts. And, and what that is, and what, what, what he basically was saying, of course, you know, he later left Facebook in a blaze. What, he, what yeah. he basically was saying is, yes, they're forcing, so I got a million followers on Facebook. They want to force me to spend ads to boost to my people who already follow me for them to watch. Yeah. That's the game. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they want my nonprofit to do the same thing. If I want all of my people to see things, I have to actually spend money on Facebook even after people say that they follow us. Um, and this is how Facebook is like treating all of us the same. I said, you know, during the height of the COVID, I said, we're just trying to put out information to fight against the disinformation and you're making me pay to fight against the disinformation that's traveling on your platform, Facebook. And they're like, well, we're gonna figure this out. And then they always say they're gonna figure something out and then they never get back to us and figure it out. Uh, questions from my panel. First, I'll start with Robert Patillo. And, and what do you think average people who uh, who want to get involved and want to help, what can they do? How can they uh, find out more information about the issue and how can they help make the change? So they can go to colorofchange.org. They can go to stophateforprofit.org. Um, Those are both platforms where a lot of this information um, sort of lives. They can um, share the content and information. We need more corporations to see this out in the world. We specifically haven't asked um, users to sign off Facebook because this is the interesting thing about how monopolies work, is that Facebook has 2.6 billion users. That's more followers than Christianity. And, you know, we actually won't 
the numbers, because of how they monetize data, because of how they monetize traffic, even because how they share the type of traffic that's on their platform, it's not that the strategy of asking users to sign off doesn't actually get us to the type of um, uh, kind of short-term, immediate, right. or long-term things. No, it's the money. But it's the money. We need, yeah, yep, it's about money. It's the money. So it's about money. So right now, we need more people speaking up. When you see a corporate brand that you like that has stood with this campaign, send them a note. Let them know that they are hearing from folks and that they're getting the extra sort of visibility of signing on in this moment, you know, and taking down their ads from a platform that has been given, as I said, every chance over the last five years. Like, this is not the campaign I want to be running right now. There's a lot of other campaigns. I'd love to just be reaching the people that follow us on Facebook and giving them all sorts of things they can do on policing and criminal justice. And we are doing that work as well. But we've also got to recognize it, that Facebook poses an incredible threat to this upcoming election because of all the policies and practices on their platform and all the ways that they impacted the 2016 election. And so I am just in every way, shape and form focused on making sure that they do not allow the same things to sort of spread on their platform that sow disinformation and misinformation and suppress the black vote. Uh, Tiffany. Hey, Rashad, it's good to see you. The NAACP, of course, is also a part of this campaign. Rashad, yes. I, I wonder two things. One, um, we know that Facebook and Instagram are very uh, close and tied together. Obviously, one owns the other. And so in this upcoming meeting, do you see or think that anything will come out of both of the platforms, not just Facebook, as we know that a lot of millennials and Generation Zers use Instagram? And then secondarily, um, I agree with you 100%. This is not the campaign we want to be running. But outside of uh, the ads, what are other things that Facebook needs to do and fix for this moment past the elections so that your organization, the NAACP's organization, can continue to do really important work? Yeah, no, that's such an important question. And, um, you know, I've uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've spent more good time with Derek than I have in a while. And, and, and NAACP has is so been so critical to so much of this. And Derek and I were at that dinner at um, Mark Zuckerberg's house where I challenged him on the Daily Caller being listed as a trusted fact checker uh, by Facebook. And Mark tried to explain to me why that should be the case. So there's a number of policies that are that sort of relate to that, Tiffany. And so a couple. One is that there is no civil rights expertise at Facebook at the highest levels. And we they need a C-suite level uh, civil rights expertise to evaluate new pro products and new packages. Recently, Facebook just came out with a policy that said um, that they wouldn't allow sort of anti-immigrant voter suppression at the polls. And what they said was that you can't post um, a statement on, on um, on Facebook that says uh, that ICE will be at the polling places. And they actually said ICE, right? They made that very clear. So anyone who understands and has a history of working in civil rights or voting, vote, fighting voter suppression knows that the folks who are trying to suppress our votes will look at that and say, okay, great. Thank you for letting me know that all I have to say is federal authorities. I don't have to say ICE and it doesn't violate your policy. But Facebook actually has just no idea how this works, and they have the ability to control it all. So there's civil rights expertise. There is the ability for advertisers to know if their 
ads have shown up next to content that's had to be pulled down and then to be able to get a notice of that and have their money returned and for the public to know if they've clicked on ads that have violated the policy and that type of transparency we think will create a longer term behavior change we actually need to end the political ex the exemption for politicians on the Facebook platform so politicians no longer can um, post voter suppression ads post eight hate ads um, and get away with it um, we um, need um, the pulling down of white nationalist sites. Folks like the Boogaloo Boys and the Proud Boys not only have had platforms on Facebook, but actually they've been invited to open up pages and close groups on the platform because of how the system works and how it's incentivized to add more and more pages, regardless of who has those pages. So, you know, on the sort of um, platform, there are a list of these sort of larger demands. Those are some of the bigger ones at um, Color of Change that we've been socializing for quite some time, along with civil rights groups like um, the NAACP, like the NAACP LDF, like the Leadership Conference on Civil Rights and others, um, and really trying to build the sort of long-term energy to force Facebook to, um, to live up to even the rules that are currently on the books. Uh, Lauren, final question. What's the uh, status, Rashad, of this uh, discussion around breaking them up as a monopoly in Congress? I, I lost track. Yeah, so there is no real conversation um, around, that, around that happening until we change what Congress and the White House looks like. Um, you know, part of this challenge right now that we're having with Facebook is absolutely related. I'm so glad you asked that question, because part of this is related to the ways in which Donald Trump, the ultimate deal maker, um, those folks that will use any type of unethical sort of engagement to get his way, is, is holding this idea of executive order or threat over Zuckerberg's head um, to get him to sort of do the things that he wants him to do, right? Mark Zuckerberg calls Donald Trump before he decides not to pull down the um, the looters and shooters uh, post um, targeted at uh, protesters um, and doesn't call or talk to anyone in the civil rights community. There is two tracks around um, regulation. One relates to a kind of breaking up of Facebook. Facebook controls about 73% of the messenger market. If you look at Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, and Instagram. And, um, and you're right to bring up Instagram, Tiffany, in that um, Instagram is a problem. It doesn't represent the same level of problem because the platform operates different. But in many ways, it's controlled by the same set of incentives that drives profit and growth over everything else. And so the folks calling for breaking it up, like Elizabeth Warren and others, um, are really speaking to like all the ways in which it has prevented um, any type of competition. Um, it's singular in that way. There's another conversation, right, that relates to not just the uh, breaking up idea, but what what does Facebook sort of represent as a utility, similar to phone and internet and things that are now sort of part of um, sort of our day-to-day -day habits and were built because of American ingenuity, because of our taxes, because of how we've educated people in this country, because of all the ways in which systems operate. And it is a utility. It doesn't mean that the folks behind it shouldn't have money, it shouldn't have op um, profit from it, but the rules need to sort of be dictated in a very different way. Right now, Facebook kind of likes to think of itself as a public square. But it's a public square that's controlled by a private person. 
Mark Zuckerberg has 60% of his chairs, shares, and he is chairperson and CEO. When I spoke at the share the shareholders meeting, um, I guess two or three weeks ago now, um, and talked about the lack of diversity and civil rights expertise, and I went there to advocate, sort of after Ken Chenault and other folks have left their board, um, to advocate for them to have civil rights expertise on the board. I knew going into that board meeting that the resolution had failed because Mark Zuckerberg has 60% of the shares, and so it doesn't really matter. Mark does. Mark can't fire him. Mark can fire is the only person that can fire himself, and he's the only person that can sort of make, change these policies. The only other folks that can change this is our government. And to put the type of rules and regulations they did when other corporations um, during a different era in this country got too big for their own good and created all sorts of harm in our democracy and our economy. Rashad Robertson, Color Chain, certainly keep it up. Let us know what's going on. We'll keep covering the story to the end. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you so very much, uh, folks. Uh, this is, again, what, what, what we are seeing uh, again, and Tiffany, I wanted to speak to this here because I know you're about to go. This is what I keep trying to explain to people. One, when people yell boycott, you better be organized. You better have infrastructure. You better have it together. What we're seeing here, this particular boycott, Tiffany, the reason it is successful is because it was well thought out, it was well executed. But I, and I love people who, who, want to, who love to criticize civil rights groups and the NAACP and the Urban League, and I can go on and on and on. But that's why organized infrastructure matters in moments like this. Organized infrastructure matters, absolutely, and discipline matters. The people who are making these decisions and moving in coalition with each other, like Rashad just mentioned with the Leadership Conference and the NAACP, National Action Network, et cetera, those folks have relationships already with each other and are moving in a disciplined manner. It is also really important for us to talk about not just the discipline, but also the power mapping, right? Unless we understand how power works, this boycott wouldn't work. Folks boycott certain things and then don't have a power analysis about how it's going to help change and get to the solutions and the demands that people are asking for. So unless we do the, uh, the, the, the discipline, the power mapping, and then the strategic effort of a boycott, it does not work together. I'm, I'm excited that uh, uh, folks call for boycotts because they get upset about things, but I do want us to think more strategically about the choices that we make and how the boycott can aid to the effort of moving power to get what we want. And this is a perfect example of that. Uh, I am very much looking forward to that next meeting. And I'm also very much looking forward to what that looks like to have civil rights in the C-suite of Facebook so that it never happens again. Tiffany Lofton, NAACP. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Folks, going thanks to really, bye. Thanks a lot. Going to a break. We come back. We're going to talk PPP loans as well as crazy-ass white people. Ooh, we got some doozies. That's next to Roland Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller March Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com.
All right, folks, the folks, the folks at Seek.com have an incredible offer for you folks. And these are these 360-degree 4D headphones that you can use for music. You can use Bluetooth. You can for gamers, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Mary Spiel, the sister, she's actually the inventor of these headphones. Phenomenal. I love the sound of these. They also have the virtual reality headsets, which allow for you to actually watch uh, VR uh, virtual reality videos, 360-degree videos. You just simply pop your phone right into here. And then, of course, if you uh, you can also go like to, like YouTube has an app uh, as well uh, that uh, has a has a uh, channel that deals with a lot of those VR ads, and so you can actually uh, do all of that, folks. Uh, check this out and pop it on, and guess what? Check out your vi virtual reality videos. Go to Seek.com, C-E-E-K.com, Seek.com, C-E-E-K.com. Use this promo code right here, RMVIP2020, RMVIP2020, for a discount on these headphones. And then, of course, when you support them, you support this show, Roller Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, the U.S. Senate voted and passed an extension of the Small Business Loan Pro Program, the Paycheck Protection Program, to August 8th. It was set to expire yesterday with more than $130 billion in unused funds. Now, the program was created to assist small businesses with loans to prevent owners from shutting their business down as well as to help keep uh, their employees. Now, folks, here's the issue. 60% of black businesses have not even applied for PPP loans. Look, I know folks out there, you don't think uh, you may qualify but good, and make the effort to do so. We've got to ensure that our black businesses uh, are uh, there. All right, I want to bring in my guest uh, right now. Uh, it's Ashley. Ashley Harrington, you there? I am. Thanks right, for having me. All right, glad to be here. So, uh, again, this we're trying to get folks to understand why this matters. It absolutely matters. I think the most startling statistic, more than that 60% 60 60 of black business owners haven't applied, is that 41% active black, is 41%. Active black business owners have declined by 41% since the start of the crisis. These are businesses that have shut down. Some may never reopen. That will have a tremendous impact on not just these individuals, but their entire communities. We know how much black businesses mean to our communities and neighborhoods. So what are we seeing? What's the issue? Is it the fear of I mean, the paperwork? Is it, I mean, what is, what's the block? There are a lot of blocks. And, you know, actually, we advocated, you know, we think an extension is a, it's good, but it's a Band-Aid, right? There are many structural issues with the program. I think the most, the, the most one that you notice right off bat, right, is that you have to go through a financial institution just to get the loan. And we know how hard it is to be served by mainstream financial institutions if you're a person of color. Um, so you have people who have bank accounts, um, have had them for years, but because they didn't have a commercial lending relationship, their bank told them they couldn't even give them a loan. So they, they were just shut out at some different stages of the process. You had issues with community development financial institutions, CDFIs, and minority depository institutions, which are the ones that best serve our communities, not even being able to be lenders during the first round of the program. Many of them couldn't even participate. Um, there's been a number of barriers. There's the fact that when you look at the what Black-owned businesses really look like, 95% of them are, business, are sole proprietors or non-employer businesses, meaning they only have the owner as their employer, as their employee. Otherwise, they, they may have contractors or things like that. So if you have a program that's called the Payroll Protection Program and you are incentivizing financial institutions to do these loans and you're doing that by, by giving them origination fee based on the size of the loan, but the size of the loan is based on the size of the payroll and Black-owned businesses are more likely to have a payroll of one, why would a bank, why, how is a bank incentivized to work with these, with these smaller, really small businesses? And also the way the rules were written, part of the problem is that uh, as an employer, 
as an employer, I could not submit folks who I, who are 1099s. And Absolutely. so and so I actually have 10 people, but four of my people are only full-time. The other folks are 1099s. And so mm -hmm. a lot of black businesses have 1099s uh, for, for a reason. And so the way the law was written is that the employees who, who are with me who have a 1099, they can apply as individuals as opposed to me as the business applying and being able to show a document that they are actually 1099 employees. Absolutely, that's a change we've advocated for. And that means both you and them need a much smaller loan and the banks are gonna have to get a much smaller origination fee. And if you ask any lending institution, Roland, it costs the same amount of money to originate a $1,000 loan versus a million dollar loan. So oh no, it actually, it took us, so the request that we initially submitted for the PPP was around 158,000, okay? Mm -hmm. Then, when we went through the whole deal, because of the wiping off 1099s, that went down 38,000. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, that, because, and, that's, and that's the reality. You're right, that so many black business owners are facing. Um, that's just the nature of the businesses that are in our communities. And it doesn't mean they're not just as important. They, they contribute over, a, a, you know, billions of dollars a year into the economy. Um, so we need to be thinking about a program that works for all businesses, not just some businesses. And that and those are some of the structural issues we saw with the program. I think you're the perfect example. Oh, absolutely. And so, again, until August 8th, um, where should these Black-owned businesses be reaching out to for help if they don't know how to navigate all of this? They should definitely be reaching out to MDIs and CDFIs. There are a number of them um, that are going to they're going to be uh, still remain continue to take applications. There's some information also on the SBA website, um, but I would start with CDFIs and MDIs. They have the best track record of serving um, business businesses of color and communities of color. Ashley Harrison, she of course federal advocacy director for the Center for Responsible Lending. We really appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. All right, y'all know what time it is. No charcoal girls are allowed. I'm white. I got you, bro. What is it? I don't, I don't have any information. My property. Whoa! Hey! Hey, Give me your ass! You don't live here. I'm uncomfortable. Lord have mercy, y'all. These, look, these white folks who don't want to wear a mask are absolutely cracking me up, and they just losing their mind. Watch this Karen in Dallas, Texas. Just act a plum fool. Robert, really? It's a mask. Hey, well, look, I'm, I don't know. I don't want to know what would have happened if these folks had to live through Jim Crow and segregation and they can't <laughs> handle masks. Imagine them with Red Dog Police what? and, and what all the other types of... The red dog police and all the other types of oppression black folks have to go through on a regular basis. Uh, they are losing their minds, first because they couldn't go get haircuts, and they're bringing AR-15s and rocket launchers to the capitals to liberate their states. Now, when the medical science says that we are in a second wave, there's no amount of information that can make these folks this, uh, make the prudent decision just to not give everybody else a deadly disease that's killed 130,000 people. These folks, you just can't tell them what to do. They, they are not going to let you tell them what to do. Then, of course, uh, we got this uh, video right here. 
this guy, I, I don't know whether he's Latino, white guy, whatever, he decided to uh, take down some Black Lives Matter signs. Let's just say it didn't really go as well as he thought it was going to go. Y'all got the video? Play it. If you're your fucking neighbor and you're tired of seeing it on the fence. Why are you taking it down? Why are you taking it down? Ooh, everyone agrees. No, no, not, not everyone. Just oh, because I live right there and I'm sick of fucking seeing it. What? You can't even read it. You can't even see it that far. see how white allies stand with us <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know everybody's the big dog everybody's tough until somebody tougher shows up right uh what's that old uh uh mike tyson saying everybody's got a plan to get punched in the face so i don't understand like why people need to be stopping their car and going over to the fence and taking signs down for what what? Like, what is the? What is? What are you trying to prove? I also don't understand these people who want to go viral. You you throwing stuff out of the shopping cart in a crowded, you know, uh, supermarket. You got a person standing right there with a cell phone, and it doesn't occur to you that five million people could watch what you're doing. At this point in our social media moment here, that really actually should occur to you because a few people have gone very viral. And that woman throwing the groceries out, last I glanced at it, it was at 5 million views. I'm sure it's over that now. But, hey, you know, I'm a big believer in, hey, do what you want, but be prepared to, to deal with the consequences. <laughs> and uh, the allies are there. There's no doubt about that. It's pretty new for us. It's very interesting. Well, I mean, what, 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 gets, me, what gets me, Robert, again, my man said, yo, this my block. <laughs> He was like, this is my block. 
<laughs> T. Roller, this is why you always keep your white boy like that in your crew. I got one named Chris. You always keep a white dude like that around in your crew because when something like that goes down, he can hop in there with a level of crunctivity that the rest of us cannot reach and have no repercussions. You know, if that was a black dude doing all that, there would have been probably the SWAT team, maybe some Navy SEALs there to pull him off of that dude. But uh, Tyler or whatever his name was, that is the kind of dude you want in your crew and your posse at all times. Keep at least one and then one that wears a suit that shows up. Well, I, all I'm saying, again, all I'm saying is I'm going to need these people to learn to stop acting a fool. And I'm telling you, we're we just living in just, in just a whole different world. And I, I, I just keep telling these folks. You know, you know, you know what? Y'all, it, it's been a few days since, since I have seen this. And we had Gary Chambers on the show. But Lauren, just something to me. I, I, I need to hear Connie. I need to hear Connie just one time. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I need to hear. I, had I, I need to intended hear. Intended to get up here and talk about how racist Robert E. Lee was, but I'm gonna talk about you, Connie, sitting over there shopping while we talking about Robert E. Lee. This is a picture of you shopping while we talking about racism and history in this country. Only white members of this board got up while we were up here talking too, because you don't give a damn, and it's clear. But I'm gonna tell you what the slaves, my ancestors, said about Robert E. Lee. Since you don't know history, sister. Let me tell you that they said when he got the plantation, after he got off the field where 27,000 people died at Gettysburg, Connie, Robert E. Lee was a brutal slave master. Not only did when he whooped the slaves, he said, lay it on them hard. After he said, lay it on them hard, he said, put brine on them so it'll burn them. That's what Robert E. Lee did. And you set your arrogant self in here and sit on there shopping while the pain and the hurt of the people of this community is on display because you don't give a damn and you should resign. You should have resigned two years ago when you choked a white man in his house. You should have resigned two weeks ago when you got on TV and said foolishness. And you should walk out of here and resign and never come back because you are the example of racism in this community. You are horrible. Not to the rest of the board. You have an obligation to the people of this community. And 81% of them are black. And do you need a Klan rally outside, Mr. Godet, before you end it? Because holding it up means that you put that building in jeopardy. You do, sir. Because all over the country, they're burning stuff down. And black folks in this city have stood with protesters. I ain't seen you elected officials out there with them, making sure that nothing goes south in Baton Rouge. It's been folks in this community who give a damn, not just when it's comfortable, but every time. And four years ago, we came down here. Mr. Drake, they say you're a good man. Be a good man. Black folks say you're a good man. White folks say you're a good man. Your legacy is attached to tonight, brother. Your legacy. Now, let me say to the black members of the board, it's the most solidarity I've seen out of y'all in forever. Let's keep that. Let's stand on this moving forward. Because we don't need to apologize for Connie, Evelyn. She showed you who she was when she was sitting next to you while you were talking shop. I, I just, I just had to get, get just a little more, Connie. Yeah. I had to get a little more, Connie. Wow. Yeah. You know, I had totally missed that. I had seen it on Twitter just going by. I could see it was going viral, but I never actually stopped and listened to it. So that was like the first time I actually heard that. Oh no, that. no, we, we, no, we, we, we had him on the show. We had get, we had Gary on the show. 
<laughs> I totally missed it, and I see why it went viral. Did she actually get up and walk out? Yeah, she got, she got to walk out. Then she released a statement, Robert, saying that it was a pop-up ad she was trying to get rid of. Haven't we seen you scrolling down the play, <laughs> uh, down the shopping list? Stop it. Yeah, who Not knew that the two celebrities from this quarantine would end up being Connie and Carol Baskins? Uh, you know, it's it, uh, but the, <laughs> right. the passion in his voice, the interest, uh, I think that voiced the frustration that many of us in our communities have. And I do uh, appreciate the fact that he was doing this on the local level, because far too often we forget local politics uh, when it comes to what really has an impact on our day-to-day -day life. So uh, uh, shout out to this brother, and I hope Connie reforms her ways after this. I... Love that. I, I'm going I'm to play that at least once a week. And, and what gets me, I keep trying to explain to y'all, okay? I keep trying to explain to y'all, and I love it. I told Gary this. I love how he said that. Y'all, just watch the left hand. Watch the left hand. Y'all see that left hand? That's a deadly left hand. He like, I'm about to set it up. I'm about to just smack the hell out of some people uh, in here. <laughs> All right, y'all, we got to go. Uh, uh, Lauren, uh, Robert Tillo, I appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Y'all got to take Thanks. a quick break. We come back. Dulo, the comedian's in the house. Looking forward to having him on Wild Not Wednesday. Back in a moment. You want to support Roller March Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com. All right, y'all, Wild Night Wednesday. Glad to have a little fun with this. Comedian Dulo is in the house. By the time we have you, you answer the damn phone this time. Hey, look, man, I was at the dentist last time. I can't see you. I wish I could see your face. I'm, I'm sitting there like, man, we, I'm sitting there teasing it. We sitting there trying to call you. Uh, and I'm like, then all of a sudden, my producer tell me, well, he took several shots of a Hennessy Black before the show, uh -huh. and he was laid out. Nah, nah, nah. I had too many shots of, like, what's that? That stuff that they numb you with. Then I had to go back to the uh, dentist because of my head, like, unexpected bleeding. But I'm, I'm all fine now, man. Trust me, I'm I, I wanted to be there, but my, my mouth wasn't working at the, at the time. I would have been no good. My mouth was on, uh, on, on a house arrest at the time. <laughs> yeah, well, I was sitting there like, man, where you at? So, Doc, what's going on, man? What you up to? Hey, man, nothing much, man. Like, the, I mean, I was, like I said, like you said, I was supposed to be on last week. But um, the, the big news, the big thing, I just got my, I just got my, my, my grill done, rolling, rolling. Remember last time I was on your show, man? I probably had I had three front teeth. Right, yeah, front teeth yeah, last time. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, was, you, you were a little rough. Yeah, I was walking around with a tripod in my mouth, brother. Um, you know, studio equipment. So I had to go ahead and tighten that up. I needed a four-legged, a four, you know, a four-legged, uh, 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 a four-wheeler <laughs> instead of a three-wheeler, brother. And now I got my four, my two front teeth back. Um, you know, and I can't stop smiling now, so I'm excited. Oh, I'm excited. So you smiling all the time. Well, you also smiling because uh, I saw this tweet. You're going to be producing this exclusive video content for the Pro Football Network, combining comedy voiceovers with football? Absolutely, absolutely, man. And I'm, re I'm really excited about that, man. They reached out to me because, as you know, I've been doing, like, um, you know, uh, funny content voiceover and, um, you know, from, you know, funny videos with animals or even just with babies, kids, whatever have you. And they reached out to me to, um, to combine, like, this strict highlights and lowlights of, um, of, of NFL, even not just not – it won't be exclusive to NFL, even NCAA – probably even Canada football, um, and I'll just be putting my, my funny commentary behind every move and, you know, gesture that these uh, players do and good good plays 
and especially uh, on the bad plays and just bringing humor to the NFL and bringing humor to football. Well, I saw the press release, and what I also saw, they said they did the deal with you uh, because mm-hmm. they saw uh, how many times you appeared on my on my TV One show. Uh, Absolutely. And they, and they said, well, they said he got to be legit that Roland Martin put him on. <laughs> hey, look, man, and, and, and you know, already know I appreciate you. Every time that you done brought me on your show, it kind of put a lot of validation to me. You know, and, like, now it's 2020 and a lot. Besides that, there are a lot of other things going on. And um, just being, you know, being uh, being able to be side by side by you, who's a, you know, you're you're a very upstanding, you know, figure in the black community, man. That's really like put a lot of a good cosign by, uh, beside me, man. And that was definitely an asset to me, man. Um, I, being able to be on your show. I was on one day. I was looking at some video, and mm-hmm. what was that? Some kind of Nigerian sitcom you were doing? Oh I, yeah, yeah. I, that's I, came, Af- I came across and I was like, that Dulo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's African time, man. That's African time. We kind of put a, a hold to that for now. Um, I'm working on other things at the moment, but um, yeah, that's African time where I'm playing. Um, uh, you know, African dad name was Tunde. Pretty much, um, displaying you know the the struggle, the plight of the Nigerian, the Nigerian American family here in America in a comedy, comedically dramatic way. Um, but people can check that out. That's still online right now, and it's, it's still doing numbers. All right, Almost one point eight million views. Yeah, go. I'm gonna play a little bit. Of, go ahead, my iPad. Okay. To get your education. Don't forget your culture. You must be a doctor. Respect your elders. Listen to your teachers. Do these things, then everything will be fine. Tonight we on African time. Mommy's big boy. This is my mom. Uh-uh. Pour me some water, Joe. This is my dad. When I was six, we moved from Nigeria to America, and the transition was tough. You're an African booty scratcher. <laughs> Real tough. First day of school. Remember, always sit in the front of the class. The closer you are to your teacher, the more information can penetrate that polar nut brain of yours. Yes, Dad. Are you excited? Yeah. I was not excited. See, this is how you pronounce my name. Ayo Deji, pass me the remote. Deji, where is the remote to? Ayo Deji, remote. This is how teachers pronounce my name. Brittany Lucas. Here. Josh Odom. Here. <laughs> this is a tough one. Uh, I. Uh. Arrivederci. <laughs> I. 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 Oh, wow. I'm about to mess this up. Hmm. Ayo. Bibbly boop. Ayo, Dijai. <laughs> Here's the deal. I, I, it was, was a trip. You know, I heard somebody on YouTube like, oh, stereotypical show. Dude, I have talked to numerous uh, African immigrants, and they all tell these stories of these hardcore parents who you mm-hmm. come in second place, don't care if you didn't come in first. They they, they are constantly uh, just riding you hard. Absolutely, man. And it's because, you know, when African parents come here to America, man, they literally see a whole bunch of opportunity that they didn't see when they were younger. And, so, and they put themselves in our situation. They're like, man, if I was there, if I... If I if, if I had your, you know, your predicament, I'd be doing a lot more with that. So they ride us that they ride us hard day in and day out about that. Um, up until the point that, you know, some of us uh go into being a lawyer or a doctor and we're not even en- enjoying that right now. My parents still think I'm in law school right now. <laughs> I, I, they think I'm in law school right now, man. I'm not in law school. And, and the thing, and the thing is, again, a number of my number of my African friends have said it. No matter what level of success you have, they're mm-hmm. still like. So you're not a lawyer? 
Yep, you're not a doctor, you're not an engineer. Those are the three things that they want you to be. Stereotypical, um, what do you call it? That's just foreign parents in general. Like, when they come here, they want you to be in some sort of medical. You know, like I told my dad I wanted to be a, um, you know, I wanted to be a, 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 I wanted to be a football player. They said, you know what, you can play football as long as you're a football doctor, you can be in the NFL. <laughs> you understand me? As long as you're a football doctor, you understand me? As long as you're, you're, you're a football lawyer, you understand me? That's the only thing they want you to do. But um, now when we're on that topic, I, Roland, I understand, and I've noticed you wearing a lot of uh, Nigerian garments or African uh, theme type of attire, well, man. Well, actually, for a lot of people who don't understand, first of all, I went to mm -hmm. Ghana back in 2008, and so okay. I, I've, I've really been wearing it for more than a dozen years, and mm -hmm. then when I went, uh, last year was a year of return, and so mm -hmm. I chose to wear a lot more, and then when I went to Ghana in December, I said, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm gonna go, now, but here's a trip. My, my Nigerian fans are upset mm -hmm. Cause they like, well, you know, you wearing all this West African stuff. What about mm -hmm. us? I'm like, you more than happy to send me some stuff. See, the thing is, Nigeria is in West Africa, so like, so that they're not mad at that. They're just mad that you're wearing Ghanaian stuff, <laughs> not no Nigerian stuff. So, so hey, here's what we're gonna do, Roland. Um, I thought about this a while. I said, you know what? Since I've been seeing Roland wear all these, you know, these African garments, and it inspired me to give you a Nigerian name. And I'm sure that your following, right? When I give it, I want them to help us pick this. Cause I'm gonna post some of this on my page, Roland, and I'm, I'm gonna help them. They're gonna help us pick this. I have three names, and I want you to check. Let me know which one you. All right, come on, All come right? on. The, the first one is uh, Afola Roland. Who? Afola Roland. I'm just giving. I'm giving you some prefixes to your your name. You're not. I, gonna, I'm not gonna change. Afola Roland. Uh, Afola Rolandi. You, okay. It's like Afola Roland. You gotta kind of put it. Afola Rolandi. Afola Rolandi. You know what I'm saying? That's the first one. Okay. And the next one I like the best. Olua Rolando. Oh, oh, Oliwa. Oliwa Ando? No, Oluwa Rolando. Oliwa Oliwa Rolando. No, Oluwa Rolando. Oluwa Rolando. Uh-huh. Oluwa Rolando. You'll get it, trust me. I, I can help you with the pronunciation okay. later. Oluwa Rolando. And the last one is uh uh Damilola Ro Damilo Roland. Damila Roland. No, Damilo Roland. Domila Roland. Damilo Roland. Damila Roland. Exactly, all three of those. Don't worry, I'm 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 gonna get with my followers. So what do they mean? Okay, so Afala Roland, you know you already rolling, all right? You are already rolling. So Afala means we use happiness. So essentially, your name means we use happiness to Roland. Okay, you know all right, got it, got um, it, got it. Olua Roland, which means our God. Olua means God, all right? So our God, Roland. Okay, that's the second one. Uh, and Damilo Roland means come with me. Damilo pretty much come with me. So come with me. Roland. All okay. Right, so those are just prefixes. Okay. How about mm -hmm. kiss my ass, Roland? Ah, kiss your ass, Roland. <laughs> what, what, what would that be in Nigeria? Uh, in Nigeria, uh, <laughs> kiss my ass, Roland. There's no, I don't necessarily know how to say kiss because there's not a, I mean, kiss me, for me, for me, how about give me your mouth. Go to hell, Roland. How about that uh, one? How about go to hell, Roland? <laughs> hey, how about this one? This is what you need to know. Olori, Olori Burukunye, Roland. Olori Burukunye. What does that mean? That you a crazy motherfucker. You are a crazy. Mother son. We might have to I go with that me. one. Like, how about I'm a grown ass man, Roland? Ah, big boy, Nimi now. Eh? <laughs> big boy, Nimi. Big boy, Nimi. I'm a big boy. You are a big boy, Roland. That is true. Yeah. Uh, 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 Camila is in my ear. Camila, uh, mm -hmm. she's asking. Uh, What's she say? She, he, he, Camila, what are you asking me? Is that what? Yoruba? Yoruba? 
Yoruba. Yeah, Yoruba. That's what she's asking. Is that Yoruba? Yeah, that's Yoruba. And I wish I could see your face. I'm literally looking at a pause blank screen right oh, now. Oh, no. When you see the video, you're going to be like, what? The... Hold up. Somebody say, uh, somebody's, uh, folks on YouTube said, what the hell, Roland? Uh, they, they like that one. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, I'll, 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 let, which one? Uh, I'll smack your ass, Roland. How about that one? I'll smack your ass rolling, man. My foilety Roland. My foilety means I'll slap the hell out of you. So my foilety, my foilety Roland. <laughs> that's what you want. You can have it, you know what I mean? But the thing is, I'm not changing the rolling. I like that Roland at the end. Okay, all right, we'll go with that one. So we'll, we'll figure right. out, we'll we'll have our, we'll have our folks uh, vote on the name. So we'll, okay. we'll, I'm going to have uh, Keenan break out this part of it, and then we're going to mm -hmm. put it on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and we'll have them vote on it. Okay, so the name, just to clear, I'm going to get the names clear again. So we have three names, all right? The one I like. All right, the Nigerian one, Afola Rolando. That, uh, that's, that, that's, that's the Our God one. Exactly. No, Afola means we use happiness. All right, Afola, we use happiness to Rolando. Oluwa, I mean, Oluwa, that's the God one. Oluwa Roland. Okay. All right, and Damilo Roland, Damilo Roland, which means come with me, Roland. So Damilo Roland, Oluwa Roland, and Afola Roland. All, All right, right, so here's the deal. So come with All me, right. so come with me, mm -hmm. to me, is similar to bring your ass. Yeah, that's yeah, don't, yeah, that's that's that is that is those are those are close. Bring that ass here. All right, so so what, so so mm -hmm. I I probably like that one because I'm like bring your ass. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we gotta <laughs> no call problem. folks out. So bring your ass, Diamond Low Roland. <laughs> All right, that's the one that you're leaning towards. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. All right, Shout so to, um, everybody on YouTube, we're gonna put it on Instagram, we're gonna put it on Twitter, we're gonna put it on Facebook, and we're gonna have them vote on it. And so okay, no problem. So again, the number one is. The first one, ladies and gentlemen, Afola Roland. That's the first one with the, that's the first name. Afola Roland. Name number two. Number Oluwa two. Oluwa Roland. Name number three, Damilo. Hello, what's, what's number two again? Oluwa Roland. Number three. Damilo Roland. Okay, all right, we'll see which one they're gonna vote on. So exactly. I, I like number two personally, so um we'll we'll see what they go. All right, yeah, we'll see. I'm we'll, posting that on my gram too. We'll let the we'll let the people decide. Dulo, always a pleasure, my brother. Absolutely. Shout out to hey, www prosfootballnetwork.com slash dulo. That's where you guys can check me all my exclusive network work with uh, the NFL and the Pro Football Network. And don't forget, you got you to gotta give out your cash app, too. Uh, my cash app? You want me to give hey, My cash app is yes. dollar sign I am dulo. Dollar sign I am dulo. Please feel free to send me anything you want. I will donate most of it to my um, rent. <laughs> most of it. The rest of it to that Hennessy. All right, dulo, all right. I appreciate it, man. All right, brother Roland. Oh, Olua Roland. Odabo. Maria Leta. Peace. All right, peace out. Peace out. All right, y'all. Too much fun uh, with Dulo there. All right, y'all. Let's do this here. Uh, we gonna, uh, I'm going to read these names real quick. Uh, and that is, hold on one second. Uh, I'll bring the Funk Fan Club. Man, y'all have been killing it. I certainly appreciate y'all's support uh, for the show we're doing. I mean, it's just been phenomenal. Uh, let me give a shout-out to Aaron C. Paid, Aisha Khalid Khan, Alphonse Porter, Andre Boltner, Andrea Rogers, Angela Champion, Angela Rohn, Anthony, Anthony Mosley, Anthony Young, April Chapman, Arthea Robertson, Augustus Augustine, Azuri Smith, Bernadette, Bettina Little, Bianca Zachary, Brian Hurd, Brian Williams, Bryce Boss, Carol Daniels, Carolyn Jackson, Carolyn Templeton, Charles Wilson, Charlie, uh, Ch Charlie Dolio, Chester Olds, Christopher Coleman, Courtney Tolliver, Cynthia, Dana Booker, Darius Horton, Darnell Williams, David Dennis, Don Foster, Deanna Harris McKee, Deidre Franklin, Derek Anders, Derek Onwachi, Devlin Alexander, Doc Sanchez, Donna Walters, Danielle Lawson, Echo. Emily Chafin, Eugenia Wingate, Frederica Bro, Fernita Williams, Gary Butler, Gail Turner, George Gray, Gerald Terry, Harmon, 
Perlima Owens, Ibrahim Forna, Ivory Yorker, Jasmine Dunn, Jill Chestnut, Johnny Jean, Kalicia Fisher, Karen Decoux, Kathy M, Kay Bolton, uh, Kay Bowden, Kenley Warren, Kenneth McElrath, Katura Ladd, Keanu, Max B, Keith, Kensha M, Lamont Creole Chicken Kitchen, that's my brother's business, uh, Leonard Renfro, Linda Allen, Linga McClare, Lisa Munger, Lori Nicole, May Catherine Nolan, Marilyn McCoy, Maya, Maxis Clemens, Melody Gray, Michelle Trufant, Michelle Minsk, Mikhail Yisrael, Mia Johnson Farley, Monica, Nakia Allen, Nicole Johnson, Norman Johnson, Oluwakimi Kongi, Oluwasun Fasuge, Fasub, Fasubi, Pamela Matthews Johnson, Patricia Rivera, Patricia Robinson, Patricia Smith, Pop Culture Dish, Portia Bright, Renee Matthews, Renee Rogers, Rita Winder, Robert Jackson, Robert Pico, Robert Young, Ronald Murphy, Rosalind Stevens, Sharon uh, Bennett, Sharon McDowell, Sharon Smith, Sherwin Rice, Stanley Fisher, Sylvia Lewis, Teresa Griffin, Terrence Hunter, Tessra Lawson, Teresa Jackson, Tiara Dunson, uh, Taisha Brown, Tiana Brown, Tori Mackey, Troy Hale, Troy McDonald, William, Willie Rouse Jr., Winston Yap. And also, uh, also, let's see here. Uh, we got Belinda Melvin. We got that. And we certainly appreciate it, y'all. Thank you so very much. Y'all, y'all can give to us via cash at dollar sign RM Unfiltered PayPal. PayPal.me forward slash rmartin unfiltered. Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. You can also send a money order to New Vision Media Inc., the parent company, new NU Vision Media Inc., 1625 K Street, Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. That's 20006. Listen up, y'all. Tomorrow, unbelievable show. We're going to do an hour special on the Crown Act. Friday is the third anniversary of the Crown Act, which outlawed hair discrimination. We got an unbelievable show. Miss America, Nia Franklin is gonna be on the show. And I got a, yo, I got a surprise guest performance. I cannot tell y'all who it is. Y'all gotta watch. This person did something especially for this special. It's an original. Y'all gotta watch the show. That's tomorrow. And don't forget Cornell West and Erica Alexander on Friday's show. Y'all, we killing it. We need y'all support to keep doing what we're doing. Keep it black, keep it real. Don't forget, also, we gotta register to vote. Alpha's vote is why I'm wearing this. We're gonna keep doing our thing every single day. And don't forget, if y'all on Facebook, send me, send me a post if you're not getting your live uh, updates. We can tell Facebook what's going on. We're trying to get that fixed so y'all can see the show at all times. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have added, y'all, 92,000 subscribers in the last two months. In the last two months, 92,000 in the last two months. So please keep it going. Pass the word. Ain't nobody doing what we do every single day, five days a week live, streaming seven days a week. Y'all know we bring the funk. I got to go. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.